is this the right path for them? Can they do this? Do they want to do this? Sometimes the answer is no, they can't do it or this isn't what they're wanting to do, which is fine. We're not for everybody. We know that. You're listening to Your Financial Planner Now What, the podcast to help you fast track your career by bringing you meaningful conversations on topics that influence new financial planners, their careers, and the lives of their clients. Welcome back. We know that being content in an existing firm or just being happy with the work you're doing, well, it doesn't make it into many blog posts, podcasts, or reading lists, but it should. So today's episode is for everyone who feels like business ownership may not be for them, or for anyone who wants to know more about building their own career path within an existing firm. Jenny Baker is our guest today, and in this episode, she tells us all about building a career path within a practice and loving it. Straight ahead, Jenny and Hannah discuss career paths, building networks, and pursuing your passions to grow your career right where you are today. Well, thanks for joining us today, Jenny. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I am so excited. I have known you, for, it, it feels like forever here in Dallas. And I'm like, oh my yeah. goodness, I have to have you. <laughs> I have to have you on the podcast. So tell me, um, how did you first get into financial planning? So I was a business student at Texas Tech and I was in my senior year. My major was general business because I still didn't have any idea what I wanted to do. And I had a friend at the time that found the financial planning course. Um, it was intro to financial planning and you as an elective that you could take in the business school. And they did that class one semester and they were like, you really should do this. I think you'll really enjoy it. It's really cool. The professor's awesome. I was like, okay. So I needed another elective. I took that class, intro to PFP, and it was all of your basic stuff that just anybody in life needs to know. Credit cards, mortgage, basic tax returns, savings accounts, just your basic information and fell in love with that class. I loved it. Um, I was already a senior in college. I thought about changing my major. And the interesting thing is the financial planning class or courses at tech are not in the college of business. They're in the College of Human Sciences, so which is why I really had never heard of financial planning. Looked at changing my major, but I was already too far along. It would just add another couple of years. So I went and graduated with my general business degree and still had no idea what I wanted to do. And then um, did some thinking and a little bit of soul searching and decided I wanted to try and get my master's in financial planning. So that's went back, got my master's in financial planning. That's kind of where it all started. But it was, I was a business student and didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And so you get your your master's degree in financial planning. Um, and then you get your first job. I know some of your stories, so I'm going to spell it in DC. Um, what was that experience like going from the classroom to to actually getting a job? Like what, what did you expect? And like, what was different than what you expected? I was very lucky in that the internship I had in grad school was with the same firm that hired me after graduation up in DC. So when I started a full-time job, I had a pretty good idea of what that would look like. And I'd done a quote unquote three month trial period essentially. Um, But it, starting a full-time job is always different going from that college student or student to transitioning into a job. Um, I'd always worked through high school and college, had a job, but it was part-time, obviously, during school or during classes and whatnot. So I think the biggest thing was 
kind of creating that plan or that routine for yourself um, day in and day out. Okay. I get up, I go to work eight, nine o'clock, whatever it may be, work till five, six, go home and kind of figuring out what life looks like for you in this new realm. Um, I like a schedule. I like detail and um, organization. And so having that job and like once I figured out kind of what my routine was like, it was easy to fit into, but you do have that transition that you're at the same place every day. You're sitting down most of the day Um, You're not walking around campus. You're not having, okay, let's go to this class and have a short break here. Or I only go to class on Tuesday and Thursdays. It's a whole different mindset. And then at the same time, you don't get your spring breaks or winter breaks, summer vacation anymore. It goes to a scheduled like vacation time that you have to schedule and take off at certain times throughout the year. You lose a lot of freedom. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's a good way to put it. But you get paid. So that's true. You make a lot more than you do as a college student. (laughs) And so at this firm that you're at in in DC, were they doing like real financial planning, would you say? Yes, they were. Um, They had a great, so it was a fee-only independent RIA. Um, They had a great process. So obviously managing money, but building a financial plan from the get-go for clients and talking about everything that goes into financial planning, risk management, insurance, estate planning, um, cash flow management, savings goals, all of that. So yeah, from the beginning, from the time a client signed on, um, they started out with financial planning and then it was updating every year or a couple of years. And were you able to meet with clients like face-to-face or were you kind of in the back room working on the plans? Your first weeks are training and whatnot, but essentially from the get-go, it was, you're going to be in client meetings and meeting these clients face-to-face. And it was great. The other advisors that I worked with were always very supportive. And so they would walk into a client meeting and they would say, this is Jenny. She's our new associate advisor. She's going to be in this meeting with us. And my role in those meetings was to kind of sit back and take notes and just observe and learn. And then that role, my role in meetings slowly evolved over time, but no, from the get go, I was sitting in client meetings and then I was interacting with clients after the meetings. And so how long were you at this firm for? I was there for three years. It sounds like a great job. Like what prompted you to want to, to, to move on? It was a great job. It was phenomenal. And I had a great time. And so I was in the Washington DC area. I'm originally from Texas. And so it was a little far from home. Washington DC is such a fun area. It's close to everything. I really did love it up there, but it was a little far from Texas. And so I really wanted to come back to Texas at the end of the day. That's kind of what it boiled down to. And then, so you started your job search. How long did it take you to find, to find a job in Dallas? I was very lucky. I would say a couple of months, maybe. So it was really, I I reached out to just some friends that I knew um, and connections that I'd made of people that I knew in Texas specifically, or even people I knew that weren't in Texas, but they had connections to the area and just started reaching out to see if anybody knew of any opportunities that were open. And yeah, I would say it was a couple of months 
and I had a job. So you were there for three years. You know, there's always a lot of talk about like, how long do you stay at a job versus, you know, leaving? Like, was that a good amount of time at that job? Yeah. Three years was the perfect amount of time. So in that role, I was an associate advisor. So I was supporting, we worked in teams. So I was supporting the other advisor on that client and um, doing a lot of the prep and follow-up. And then towards the end of my tenure, I was presenting in meetings. But it was right at that point that I had kind of gotten to the point where, okay, I was ready to take the next step. And I think if I'd stayed there, I or I know that if I would have stayed there, I would have had that next step and moved up a position. So it would have been even more interaction and like more leading client meetings and providing that advice. Um, but I think the three-year time frame was a good amount to get your feet wet, to know what you're doing, to understand what your role is and to really grow in that role, Mm -hmm. figuring out what you're supposed to be doing and also figuring out the ways that you can do it. You can improve that role. You can become more efficient. And then learning, okay, what's it going to take for me to get to the next step? What else do I need to be doing to get to that next role? It's a really long way to say three years was a good amount of time to get a feel for a job and to really be immersed in it. And so when you're interviewing at jobs in Dallas, I mean, I know there's so much talk right now about career paths and how important that is. Were you finding that a lot of firms had career paths like mapped out? Yes. Yes and no. So I would say that I talked to the smaller, more independent firms which I think they have more flexibility to design a career path and kind of have it on track, especially the ones that have been around for several years. They know that's important and they've built their firm to really have those career tracks. Um, But at the same time, because those smaller firms are smaller, they've got more flexibility. So it's not just a, okay, after you've been in this role for two years and spent I don't know, 2000 hours on this. Okay. Now you automatically move up to the next position. It's more of once you demonstrate the knowledge and you show that you're kind of ready to be in that next role, you move up. So there is that career path, but it's not so rigid. There's flexibility to it as well. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I like how you're, you're, that's one of the advantages of the smaller firms is that you do, yeah, the flexibility. So where did you land in Dallas? Kind of where, where are you working now? So I'm at a firm called Beard Harris Wealth Management. They have been around for 22 years now in the wealth management space. And one interesting thing about them is that they are a CPA firm. I'm curious at Beard Harris, do you have like a clear career path with them or how do, what does that look like at, at your firm? Yeah. So they did start out as a CPA firm um, 30 years ago. And then they, the owners decided, they kept getting questions from clients. Should, can you manage my money? Do you have people that you recommend to manage my money? And they were also seeing um, these 1099s from clients and, oh my gosh, you're not taking into account taxes at all when you manage these investments. And so they really started to think and learn to see if it was something they could do themselves and did they want to branch into wealth management. 
Ultimately, they said they decided they did. 22 years, years later, wealth management is still around and very successful. So it's interesting having it's two totally separate entities. Um, they're not, they've got the same owners, but they're completely separate from each other. So you have the benefit of having a CPA firm down the hall, but it's still, I'm not having to pre- prepare taxes, which is nice because nobody would want that. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah. And if you do want to prepare that, there are very like great jobs for you. <laughs> oh, totally. Yes. That is not me. I learned very early on that tax planning or tax pr- preparation is not my thing. So I would say the CPA firm, back to your question of career path, the CPA firm has a few more guidelines on the process of their career path because I think the CPA profession is a little further along than the financial planning profession. So there's very there's guidelines out there by the AICPA that they follow. Whereas on the wealth management side, back to what I was saying earlier is there's some guidelines, but it's also more flexible. And it's when you kind of demonstrate you're ready or you're basically serving in that next position. Okay, then one day you wake up and it's like, oh, Jenny is a financial planner. Jenny is now a senior advisor, whatever that may be. And so what is your role right now? Like, what is your title? My title is financial planner. And what that means is I kind of have a hybrid role, actually. So I'm a bit of a support advisor for our senior advisors and the partners. Um, So they have clients and then I support them with those clients doing the prep and um, follow up and meeting and interacting with clients. But I also have my own set of clients that I'm working with. So I work with a lot of our younger clients and um, those are, I'm the lead advisor on those clients. So I'm the one that those clients reach out to first and have the interaction with. And are you having to find your own clients or is the firm providing them for you? The firm is providing clients for me. I don't have to go out and find them. I mean, if I do find clients, great, but business development is not part of my job role. I will say that being connected to a CPA firm has been very beneficial. They're a great referral source for us. So they'll meet with clients and a lot of times it's, hey, have you thought about this? Or you need to open up a retirement plan for yourself, for your company. Our wealth management team can help you with that. So a lot of our clients do come from the CPA firm, but also referrals from our existing clients. And then it's a plan for your role to build up like your base of clients so that you, you know, that would be your full-time job is just your base of clients. That's the goal. Working with younger clients, what does that look like for you? Like what, what, what does that process look like? That is a great question. It's very, um, it's different than what I was doing. So at my job in DC, I was pretty much working with um, older clients, 50s, 60s, near retirement. And our younger clients were young to mid 40s. Um, and then when I moved to Dallas and started working at Beard Harris, it was all of a sudden now I'm working with clients that are 28, 29, 30, which is, I mean, a decade younger than the 40-year-old clients are not as well established. They're just um, kind of starting out in their lives. And so it's a little bit of a, a shift in how you think. And um, with the CFP coursework and all that, you talk about debt management and student loans and savings. And I really kind of had to tap back into that with, okay, yeah, 
you have all of these student loans. How do we manage those? How do we create a plan to pay those off? How do we set up your cash flow so you know that you're saving X number of dollars and you've got this goal of buying a house in the next couple of years and starting a family? Um, So it was tapping back into those areas that I've learned about but hadn't practiced fully in a few years. So are you doing like retirement projections with them as well or is it more of just like their immediate needs? So we do retirement projections for them as well. We do their immediate needs and then we do retirement projections. But at the same time, it's life is going to change a lot for you in the next 30 years. So here's what it looks like right now. But as life continues to happen and things things continue to change, we're going to update and course correct as necessary. As a young professional, it's a little bit intimidating looking at retirement plans. You're like, but I know this isn't going to happen this way. Yeah. Well, it's like, I've got a 30 year old client. They just started making money and I'm like, okay, you need to save, let's say 20% of your income for when you retire 30 years down the road. And they're like, I haven't even been at my job for two months now. And we're talking retirement. I'm like, I know, but we kind of have to back into it a little bit of what you need to be saving and what you should be doing. So there's a balance between now and planning for 30 years from now or 40 years from now. How do you charge them? I mean, are you on like the monthly retainer model? Are you, what does it look like for you? So we charge our clients just AUM um, with a minimum annual fee. And so we discount our annual fee um, for our younger clients, but um, it's just, it's still the AUM model we've talked about and we've thought about, do we do a retainer model? Do we do a monthly? Um, Right now we bill quarterly. So it's an annual minimum fee, but it's kind of quarterly as well. Like it comes out quarterly, but yeah, it's AUM and it's kind of stay that way. We we're having conversations of, should we do something different? Do we need to do something different? But we haven't come to any conclusion on that. And then what is the minimum fee like for somebody to work with you? For our young professionals program, which is what I lead and I'm head of that minimum annual fees, $3,500 a year or eight seventy five a quarter is how it works out. So it goes up. So that program is like a three-year program. And the goal is within those three years, our clients are aggressively saving. So at the end of that three-year period, they're well on their way to being a normal client of the firm or any other client that we would take in. And so you kind of have those expectations of like with clients, that you, with the younger clients that you bring on that they are saving. Yes. So there is an expectation that it's this quote unquote three-year program and here are the expectations you are going to be saving aggressively. And if you're not at the end of the three years, it's a, okay. I mean, we've had some clients that start their own business. Okay. Well, that is an investment and, and that is an asset. It's just not in their portfolio or their investment portfolio. Then we have the clients that just aren't good savers and are wanting to live life. And so it's, it gives the clients that period to, is this the right path for them? Can they do this? Do they want to do this? Sometimes the answer is no, they can't do it or this isn't what they're wanting to do, which is fine. We're not for everybody. We know that. So it's as much for us as it is for the client as well. Well, it's a really interesting like angle to view young professionals because, you know, oftentimes it's like, you know, you'll get that return on investment, you know, in a decade or two or whatever that looks like, but you're 
you guys are really like in three years, like we want you to be meet the firm's other minimum. And it doesn't always happen, like I said, but it's really if we've got the clients that are dedicated and they want this too, then it works out. And even if they're not right there yet, we know that they're a good client. We want to keep them. And so it's like, okay, we're going to work with you and we're not going to kick you to the curb. And so what is your firm's minimum, like outside of the young professional? $500,000 of assets under management or a $5,000 annual minimum, 1% of 500000 So with these younger clients, how often are you meeting with them? Like, is this like you're meeting like every other month or once a year? I mean, that doesn't seem like enough, but. So as they're coming on board, um, we're going to meet with them a lot more initially. So we're going to start out kind of with that data gathering and opening the necessary accounts for them um, and then walking them through the different areas. So we're going to go through the cash flow planning and debt management and retirement planning. So kind of that financial planning piece. Um, Also looking at risk management. A lot of these young clients are newly married and starting families and they may or may not have disability insurance or life insurance. Um, Some of them may not need life insurance just yet. um, But kind of going through that process of, do you need it? Do you have it? Where can you get it? What should you get? Um, And then the state planning as well. If they've got young kids, okay, do you have wills and guardians in place? Most of the time they don't. So in the beginning, we meet with them more frequently. We tell them for the first 12 months, it usually takes about 12 months to kind of get through that whole process I just talked about. Um, But we can do it as fast or as slow as they want. So if we've had some clients come on board and they're like, I want to knock it all out. And so we'll do it all within three or four months. And then some of them, it drags out to 18 months. Um, So it's really a function of calendars and how fast they're willing to meet and do the work. After that, the on, I mean, we're always available for emails and phone calls. So, or if they want to come in for a meeting. So when I, if I say we meet with clients once a year, that may be once a year face to face, but we're interacting via email four or five times throughout the year or more. It's also a function of what's going on in their life. Like if everything's status quo, nothing's changing. May only hear from them a couple times, but if they're changing jobs and have a new kid and changing, um, buying a house and life's happening, I'm going to be talking to them more frequently. I'm just so glad that our professions kind of moved to the point where we're recognizing the needs of younger clients and it's not just, you know, retirement or AUM clients. So that that's so exciting to hear. Well, it is. And it benefits the firm as well. Like you've, that firm's got their succession plan for clients. So when they're all, all your 60 year olds or 90 year olds and start passing away, you've got that next generation that's been in the pipeline and that's saving and doing what you want for your existing clients. So one thing that's really cool about your story is I hear so many younger planners who end up leaving their firm to start because they want to work with the younger, younger demographic or they want to start their own firm. And, and you're not having to do that. Have you ever considered or considered that option of, you know, starting your own firm? Realistically, no. So I, one of the first interviews I ever had, they asked me, do you want to be a firm owner or do you want to start your own business or have your own business? I forgot the way they phrased it. And my immediate answer was no. Like I've never 
thought of starting my own business. It's just never something that's really stuck out or interested me. And then they went on to ask, okay, well, what about being partner in a firm? If you were to like buy in and become a partner, you would be a firm owner at that point. Okay. Well, I hadn't considered that. And once I thought about that, I was like, yeah, that's definitely something I want to do. But going and starting my own firm from the ground up is really never anything that I've considered or even really want to do. I mean, I've thought about it for about 30 seconds and it's still, no, that's, that's really not where I am in my life. I mean, never say never, but I would much rather take the path of becoming a partner in a firm. Before we jumped on the, the interview, we were talking about, you know, just being content isn't the right word, um, but happy being employed. Like, I don't feel like we celebrate that enough in the financial planning profession. Um, there's so much about starting your own firm and doing all these other things, but there's so much value to finding a good job and doing a great job at it and growing in that role. I agree. And I think, I mean, I get what you mean by the word content and I kind of agree with that. I remember going to Next Gen Gathering. It's been a couple of years now, but it's been several now. One of the first ones I went to, it was kind of when XY Planning Network was just getting off the ground and everybody was talking about starting their own firm and working with these younger clients, which is awesome. I totally support and I think what they're doing is phenomenal. And then the next year when I went back, it was everybody's asking, how do I start my own firm? How do I do this? I was like, okay, that's cool. And I don't mind hearing some of it, but I want to hear people that are growing in their current firms because I don't have that desire to start my own firm. I, I want to hear people that have worked their way up and are now a partner at their firm or are that next generation of leadership and what their paths look like. The irony of all of this is that those people who are starting their own firms are going to really want to hire somebody like you later on. Yeah, hopefully. Right? Like you, you shouldn't want to really hire somebody like yourself if you're that firm owner. Yeah, exactly. You want those people that don't want to start their own firm and they, they want to work for somebody else. And so how long have you been at Beard Harris? I've been at Beard Harris three years now. And so in that three years, I mean, you've worked um, in DC, you worked at Beard Harris. What have you learned about navigating kind of what we're talking about of like just finding a good job? I don't want to say office politics, but navigating kind of where you are. I think initially in the beginning, it's kind of sitting back and just being an observer. So the first bit that you're at a job and you can't put a defined time period on it, but the first bit that you're there, just kind of sit back and watch how everybody else does everything and then take notes and pick up on cues and try to read the other people in the office, especially the ones that have been there for a while. So you get a feel of how everything's done. And that's not to say that you should be complacent and not try to put your own spin on things and maybe suggest changes where changes maybe need to be made. But I think it's really important instead of going into a new firm and being like, okay, I'm here. Here's what we need to do is take time to observe what's currently being done and ask questions. Why is it being done like this? What, what's the thought process behind it? get a real good handle on that. And then it's okay. Now let me start interjecting. Maybe have you ever thought about doing something this way? Or um, 
I, we can improve efficiencies if we did something like this. But I think it's really important in the beginning, at least just to sit back and be an observer. Oh, I think that's such good advice that I don't hear as often because that's, that's really where you, you learn how to get better too. If you're, if you're so focused on, okay, I want to go in and I want to make these changes and this is what I want to do. You lose out on seeing what other people are already doing and maybe they're doing something that you've never thought of. And then maybe you don't understand it, but as soon as you ask, Hey, why are you doing this this way? And they go into the explanation. Oh yeah. You know what? That really makes sense. I never thought of it that way. Okay. Yeah. Your idea is way better than mine. And so much of your career is making the most of where you're at. Oh, totally. And it, and it's kind of what I'm hearing you say too, is, you know, what are the, what are the really great parts that you can learn from? I think it's getting to know the people that you work with. And if you don't enjoy who you go, who you're working with every day, you're not going to enjoy work or you're not going to enjoy it as much. So if you go to a job where you enjoy what you're doing, but you do not enjoy the people you're around, it's going to make your life so much more unhappy because that's where you spend a good portion of your day. So um, getting to know the people that you work with, and this is important to you in the interview process when you're just looking around, is are these people that I could see myself being quote unquote friends with or enjoying being around every day? And having that kind of positive attitude too is when you go into work, have that positive attitude. You want to be there. Everybody has a bad day here and there, but really trying to embrace it and make the most out of it, especially in the beginning when it's new. I know like it can be so scary going into a new place. You don't know anybody. You're overwhelmed by this whole new role that you don't know. Like you're not good at it yet. You don't know the clients and the situations and it can be a little daunting, but having that positive attitude and getting to know the coworkers and who you're with can totally shift and make a job that much better, if that makes sense. So you have been very involved in like our local FPA chapter. So I've seen you on the next gen committee to leading next gen and to now like you are like the one organizing like the DFW symposium, which is or conference, which is just a ton of work. Yes. I've seen you personally dedicate so much time to it. How has it helped you and has it been worth it? Oh my gosh. Yes. It's been worth it. A hundred percent. Totally. I wouldn't change a thing. When I was in DC, I had a firm that was very supportive of being active in the FPA and they encouraged it. And I remember when I was up there, one of my coworkers was like, hey, we're going to this next gen event. I was like, what's next gen? I'd heard of FPA, but I hadn't heard of next gen. And so it was a study group and um, it was just people from the area getting together. There was a topic being discussed and it was amazing. And so when I moved to Dallas, I got it. I switched my FPA membership to Dallas instead of national capital area. And I got an email about a next gen event and it was a breakfast Um, I still remember we were talking about pro bono that day and I went to the breakfast and afterwards I went up to the next gen director. she had made a speech and was like, Hey, if you want to get involved, let me know. So I went up to her afterwards and was like, Hey, I'm new here. Yes. I want to get involved, which is not really like me, but I did it and it turned out to be phenomenal. And so she was great. I want to add you to the next gen committee. So I served on the next gen committee and then 
she transitioned away from next gen director and I stepped up and was nominated and took over the next gen director and then did that for a couple of years. And now I'm moving on to the conference, but all of that has really gotten me involved in the local next gen organization. But like I've gotten to meet so many people that I probably, I might not have otherwise got to meet or I wouldn't be as close to now. So it's really, I've made so many friends and I mean, that's where I really met you was just being involved in next gen and, or FPA going to the events. I know so many people now. And so it's, I had a colleague call me the other day and they were like, Hey, we're running into this situation at work. Have y'all seen anything like this? And I was like, I haven't, but I think I know somebody who has, and it's having that network of people that you can reach out to and bounce ideas off of and socialize with because we all really like each other and we have fun when we're together. Being involved has been huge for me personally. I mean, and professionally as well. Well, what else has impacted your career positively? Like what are the other like really smart things that you've done in your career that you can look back and be like, yeah, that that's really helped me get to where I am now. I would say being involved, whether it's next gen or FPA or next gen, or just finding that um, group that you are involved in. I know some people have done like the uh, chamber of commerce in their area, or they found their own little place to get involved. And I think that's really important. Um, Obviously I'm passionate about the FPA um, because that's where I've been, but finding that, that group or where you fit in and you can find yourself personally and professionally to help you grow, I think also is not being afraid to try new things. So if you want to do something at your job, but are maybe afraid to tackle it, try it out. Maybe they accept it. Maybe they don't, but start. If it's something you're passionate about or you want to try out, approach them about it and say, Hey, I've been thinking about this. I've drawn up a sample for you or whatever it may be. Hey, what do you think? And they may say yes, no, not right now, but kind of finding where you can add value elsewhere and things that are important to you. Have you been involved with like a study group or anything like that? I was involved in one up in DC and actually I've been involved in like two. So there was one that a group of my classmates and I kind of created after we graduated and we were spread all over the country. There was probably six or seven of us in the group um, spread all over the country, East coast, West coast, um, middle of the country, South. And so we would get together periodically. We tried to do quarterly and just talk about life and what's going on in our firms and how they operate. And that one fizzled out after probably about three or four years. And then I was involved in one in the D.C. area. It was local people up in D.C. And I joined that right before I moved to Dallas. And I was like, well, hey, y'all, I'm moving. I may need to leave. Like, no, no, that's fine. We can do phone. And we managed to do it by phone for a couple of months. And then it kind of we realized we've kind of reached the end of what we were hoping to get out of it. Since then, I have not been involved in a study group, but I do want to join one, another one at some point. Well, and I think that's such a healthy perspective of study groups is that they're not all supposed to last 30 years or 40 years. Like some of them are just supposed to be for a season. 
And that's, yeah, that's one we found out was we got, it was probably almost a year. And then it was kind of, okay, well, we each think we've got enough out of it. This has really run its course. For somebody who is starting out new in their career, what other pieces of advice or thoughts that you would have for them? And I know we've kind of covered a lot of it already. Find a mentor too. So whether it's like a formal, you go through FPA or CFP board and do a find a mentor, or if you just find somebody, I would almost recommend this is find somebody that you respect and you want to learn from. And then maybe they don't have to be 20 years older than you and already fully down the career path. Maybe they're three or four years older than you or have about three or four years um, on you in the profession and take them out to coffee or lunch or grab a drink after work and just pick their brain. What I love about this profession is so many people or everybody pretty much is willing to share ideas and talk to each other. And yeah, this is how we do things. How do you do it? Um, It's a very collaborative profession, which I love. And so if you ask somebody out for lunch or coffee or whatever, nine times out of 10, they're going to say yes and be super happy to do it and just pick their brain. And a lot of times friendships develop that way. So what does the future hold for you? Like, where do you see yourself in five or 10 years from now? So I would hope to be a partner in my firm five to 10 years from now. Um, again, I, I don't have that desire to start my own business um, or start my own practice. Um, but I do like, I want to continue to grow in my career. And to me, I think that means being a partner in the firm where I'm at. Oh, I love it. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jenny. Thank you. If you like this episode, you can find more at fpaactivate.org and be sure to join the FPA Activate community on Facebook. It's a growing study group for financial planning professionals, from students to firm owners, professors, and board members. You'll find them all there where you too can lend your voice. We hope you'll join us and help grow the financial planning profession. Thanks for listening.